I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome once again to the Purple Patch Podcast. Your host here, Matt Dixon. And thanks for joining me. A little special edition, a little bonus episode. We had a lot of questions, and there were three questions that I really wanted to respond to in this week's episode, but I knew that, well, it would just make it a big journey of a show. So I thought, you know what? Let's break it out. Let's talk about these questions in its own little separate show. We get enjoy getting questions from you guys. As ever, questions at purplepatchfitness.com. Anything you'd like to ask us, we'll always do the best that we can so far as offering up the guidance and advice, and then we'll uh, take it from there. So we're going to dive into three questions today to hopefully hope you, and I hope it's helpful to all of you guys that are listening, but particularly the people that actually offered the question up in the first place. Before we do... A little sneak preview are coming soon. Are you ready? This is the first time that we've announced this. Purple Patch Squad. Purple Patch Squad. Brand new service, completely reimagined way to deliver training and education. It's coming from Purple Patch. We've been working very hard on it for the last few months. And you should look for it coming in uh, probably very early May time. Current Purple Patch athletes get to leap in early. We're going to do a transition with our current crew across the new service over the coming couple of weeks. But in early May, Purple Patch Squad. What is it? Well, you're going to get video-enabled training and education throughout your year All of your bike and run sessions that you do are going to be integrated with coaching tips as you go through the sessions. They'll all be able to sync with your favorite apps, whether it's Zwift or Trainer Road or anything that you like on that sort of lens. And you'll have race build plans. You'll be able to train specifically for your key races, guiding down and counting down to the key of your races. And then once you're done, you hop back on the baseline program. You hop back on the same sessions that are aligned with the very sessions that we do in San Francisco with our training squad here. Of course, you get tracking and logs, both subjective and objective performance measurements. And as a backbone of all of this, a wonderful array of support and education. Only for Purple Patch athletes, we have twice weekly video office hours with our coaching team, as well as athlete-only webinars and roundtables with me, myself, and I. And surrounding all of this our resource library and education portal. Very special in all aspects of performance, whether it's about strength training or travel protocols or how to navigate and manage racing when you're not quite so confident or it's women's health, whatever the subject might be, you're going to have a vault of videos and educational content in their library. So this is going to be your bridge. It's from here, the podcast, to your real-world training. Oh, and it's only going to be 99 bucks a month. So you're going to get big bang for your buck. Don't worry. We still have a major focus on individual one-to-one coaching. If you need that individual attention, we're here for you. But we're determined to provide the services that are best for your needs. And so look for it before we get going into the questions. Early May, Purple Patch Squad, consider yourself informed. Now, before we dive into the questions, it is a show... We're here 
We might as well do it. People like the jingle. Let's do word of the week. We like the way he thinks. Serious with the wings. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the dictionary word of the week. Well, the word of the week this week, that's a little cheeky. It's NyQuil. NyQuil, horrible substance. I know that many of you guys right now are battling sickness. And when that sickness comes, it's natural to feel like your performance journey is collapsing around you. Fitness and thriving feels a very, very far away destination. In fact, you probably can't likely remember what it feels like to be fit and healthy. It's groggy. But don't despair. Have patience. You see, Within 52 weeks of the year, as coaches, we expect and plan for adversity and setbacks. It doesn't matter whether it's family and other commitments, travel, or yes, sickness, whatever it might be. And while we always talk about consistency being central, these things happen, and we have to plan for them. And so no matter what your positive habits are, it's likelihood that every great performer gets sick throughout the year. And in fact, it is why consistency on a normal baseline is so critical, so that deviations like this have a lesser impact on the big picture. And so if you are sick right now, remember, your year is long. Your journey is ongoing. Manage the sickness. Be patient in the rebuild. You'll come back and you still have time. And that is why the word of the week this week is the rather quirky NyQuil. Now, Let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Let's hear from you guys. All right, first question, guys. And we're going to build on top of the question that we had around sickness and having a question from John in the Cleveland area. Who asked this? Last week, I was hit with a nasty head cold. I didn't have a fever, but certainly had my fair share of lethargy, stuffy nose, sore throat, and all the typical symptoms. John sounds like me at the uh, Hawaii camp last week. I didn't want to skip training as I'm racing in a few weeks, but I found myself in no man's land on the best course of action. Can you give me some rules of thumb? Well, John, absolutely. And as I mentioned in Word of the Week this week, sickness is unfortunately a part of our lives. And it's important to realize that performance readiness is the result of many, many weeks and months of layering of consistent training. And when you actually stop training, it's going to take about five days of inactivity before the initial effects of detraining start to occur. And this is a really important buffer for situations like this when you've got a head cold. And while it can be emotionally tough and logical to know that you're not going to go backwards, of course, the fear factor on all of us as highly motivated, performance-driven people, it's a struggle. And so how do you manage it? Well, the first thing I think to remember is that our mission in training is to maximize training load while gaining positive adaptations. Positive adaptations. That's the important part of this. Because when your body's immune system is under attack from a virus, capacity to make real physiological gains from highly stressful training is going to be compromised. In addition, high load endurance training at this time is only going to lengthen the duration of the virus and the symptoms that remain in your system. So, 
as you go through this, we have to have confidence and we need to have patience. And so here's how we think about this with a few tips to follow. The first, if your symptoms are above the neckline, keep moving. So in other words, if you have the classic cold systems, but you don't have a fever or a chest cough, you can probably keep moving. But what I would do is avoid hard training. So I tend to keep it less than 60 minutes in duration, zone two or conversational pace or less, and simply follow what the mind and body tell you what feels appropriate. If though, on the other hand, your symptoms are below the neckline, it has to be complete rest. Any symptoms of body aches or fever or chest cough, it's going to be better to go with the complete rest route. And the likely scenario is that it is actually likely 72 hours of complete rest is optimal before you start moving a cane. Now, there is something magical about 72 hours. 24 hours, you get good benefit. But 72 hours, three days or so, tends to give magical things for the body to regress to the mean. And in this case, it's regressing back up to the mean. Of course, in support of that, what we want to focus on is sleep. Sleep and rest will accelerate recuperation. The body loves to regress to the mean. And the only way for you to accelerate that is to support it with some restful time. That, of course, can be really challenging when it comes to leading a busy life. But if we remove training, we have a better opportunity. In support, John, Hydrate the immune system, plenty of fluids, lots of teas, soups and waters and all of the classic stuff that our parents said. And if you ask in the question around cold medicines, well, I don't really have a problem with cold medicines. It helps you perform throughout the day. But what you mustn't have cold medicines do is mask logic. In other words, if we've got to get through the day and navigate, take some legal supplements to diminish the effects. But don't let the diminished symptoms from that cold medicine allow you to make silly decisions on training. Big picture, you're going to be fine. I remember when Tim Reed won the 70.3 World Championship, he had a very nasty cold 10 days out of the race. But he didn't let the cold play into his headspace. You shouldn't either. The final component that I think is worth discussing, re-entry to training. Once you feel the symptoms diminish, you can begin to ramp back into training. But the first day of exercise is purely moving blood, short and low stress. The second day, endurance focus. Make sure you avoid too much intensity and you can have normal duration, but have a willingness to back off if you don't feel good. And finally, the third day. That's your opportunity to resume regular training with typical intervals. Now, if you feel worse on any of the days following training, add another low stress or endurance training day back into it before you truly ramp back. It is up to your body to tell you when you're ready, not your mind. All right, great question. I think, John, that was a really timely question because I will say you're not alone when it comes to having a little bit of sickness at this time of the year. All right, question number two, and we've got a pretty specific one here, but I wanted to answer it for you. Jennifer Coppinen, uh, thanks so much. I'm going to read your whole question here, and it's all about coming back from heart surgery. Now, I'm not a cardiologist. I've got a master's degree in clinical physiology, so I know a little bit about this, of course, but let's talk about your heart surgeries. So Jennifer, here's your question. Over the past year and a half, I've had three heart surgeries. 
not heart disease, just simply a fix gone awry. I was a very active athlete going into the first surgery and was able to recover somewhat after surgical complications. But after the next two, I've really struggled to rebuild a base. Swimming's been easier to recover, and I can swim 3,000 up to 8,500, and my speed and power has been a little slow to come back. But running has been a completely different issue. I'll say right now, I'm not surprised it's weight-bearing, and that has a, uh, a different component. In rehab, I was told to keep my heart rate controlled, so I first tried to focus on aerobic base, but I now have no restrictions, but I'm not sure whether it's better to go through heart, low heart rate sessions or try and push through various threshold intervals. So what do you suggest? I've tried both, but I'm not having much success. Either way, I'm willing to take my time, but I just want to get back to normal. Well, Jennifer, I think what you've gone through over the last year and a half, there's been obviously detraining that occurs. And I would imagine that you've had a drop of strength as well. So I think that the answer to your question is a little bit of everything. But I would anchor it in this order. The first is set the mind right. Let's think about a three to four month progression back to performance readiness. So rather than having holding in your arm who you used to be and ultimately who you want to be, you want to get back to that point. Think about where you're at now and where can you get to over the next four months. And that's a very different component. And so it is going to take a little bit of patience in order to get there. I think I would do a combination of a few things. The first absolutely strength central strength training. You need to overload the muscles, lots of strength and stability and core. And ultimately, once you've built the strength, move to more explosive movements. I also think that variance in your intensity is going to be key. So building some baseline physiology is great. And you can do that through hiking, through walking, through running, very steady, low stress. But that isn't going to get you there all the way. In fact, what you want, the magic word, is variance. A couple of times a week that you need high intensity. And that high intensity is relative to what's high intensity for you now, not where you used to be. And you can do that with lots of speed play and lots of changes of pace. And make it fun, make it enjoyable. But in addition to that, rather than just running fast, which is going to frustrate you a little bit, I would actually put a grade against it. I would have you do a lot of strength-based walking at steep grade that you can really work on posterior chain and combine that with intervals of running that are actually against a grade as well. So do some hill running. I think that the strength-based component of running is going to help develop resilience and help improve your speed on the flats, both over a long sustainable pace and over shorter high-intensity work. Finally, if you do ride your bike as well, strength endurance work, a whole bunch of heavy and strong intervals at low cadence. It's going to help you. And that is the wonderful place. In fact, if you want to get your running back to a platform, I would lean into the wide variety of swimming intensity that you can do from a cardiovascular standpoint, as well as what you can do from a strength resilience and higher intensity component of the bike. So use the benefit of multi-sport to help your running globally. I hope that that helps Jennifer. And we have one more question to go through. And that question 
is all about training camps. And it's ironic because I got back from the Hawaii training camp just last week. And so here's the question, and it's from Jenny. Jenny, I'm not sure where you're from, although I think you're from Colorado. But here it is. Jenny asks, I'm interested in joining your training camp, but I'm concerned on two unrelated topics. The first is whether I'm good enough. And I know that you have a lot more, a lot of elite athletes that tend to show up. And secondly, I wanted to ensure that I'm getting enough training load when I'm there. I assume that we're going to do lots of hours of training, but I really want this to be a platform that I build my season on. Well, it's a great question because it opens up the door of opportunity for me to actually talk about what an effective training camp is and also how we tend to do it. So the first day of camp, every training camp, I always start with a very similar spiel. And that's because the vast majority of attendees show up with your concern. I've got to get the work in. You see, once we have an opportunity to put daily life aside and we've got three, four, five, six days of the ability to put concentrated work in, that's the yield that everyone wants to get out. I've got to go and hit it hard. But the truth is that no single week of training will ever be the defining piece of your performance puzzle. And so you should never focus on these training camps as being the only thing to get out of it is heavy work. Yes, you will do plenty of work. In fact, we've never had an athlete leave a training camp and say, ah, I wish that we could have done more training in there. It is fatigue inducing. But if that's the barometer of what success is, you're going to actually miss the biggest benefit of the camp. You see, from a performance perspective, we have three main focus points for a camp. Number one, education. You want to come in ready to learn and absorb across all of the areas of performance and seek ways to draw from the lessons of your training camp, but to go home and apply those lessons in your own training at home. And that is where a camp can be so effective. What can I learn to go and apply when at home? The second component is technical evolution, whether in terms of your biomechanics or in terrain management, where the mission should be that you leave training camp with two or three things that you're going to go home and integrate as well. This is my thing that I'm going to go home and apply into my real world. If you carry with those two things as being the leaders in training camp success, and then third is training load, you are going to be highly successful. And we will do plenty of work. And it will be highly specific. And hopefully, it will enable you to return home with an enhanced understanding of how to effectively execute the prescribed work in your own environment. With these three missions, you're going to be able to approach the training camp with greater benefit than anything you can do from just the days that you're actually there. So you come you learn, you return home, and you apply. And that's why I see training camps as empowerments, as investments for longer-term application. And of course, that means that a training camp is very different than a training escape. If you go away with your buddies and you go away and do a great block of training, it's super, it's fun. But a training camp should be professionally led with coaches who are looking to educate and help teach you things to apply when you get home. Now, are you, Jenny, ready and able? Well, the truth is, everyone is. 
Because when we come to our camps, we bring the broadest range of abilities from multi-time Ironman age group champions to those that are just beginning the sport or simply looking to perform in life. We have many non-triathletes come to our camps, but the common thread is the desire to improve. And the common trait is a willingness to leave ego at home and embrace a supportive spirit. So for me, mutual respect provides amplified performance across all levels. And within each training that we do, we seek to customize the load, the distance, and the timing of how each individual in camp applies the sessions. Because ultimately, look, we're coaches. We want every athlete to thrive. And we also want them to enjoy the best pieces of the training and the train. So some of the things that we do is we'll break out into small groups. We'll ensure that you're riding in smaller groups, each with a coach, and making sure that the more socially paced people get to leave earlier or get hopped up the road. And this diffuses the feeling of chasing or being the last one and also enables a more hands-on coaching experiences. And so as soon as the athletes fall into collaboration and support, the experience becomes rich for all. It doesn't matter whether you're an AARP anarchist or a very shy newbie lacking confidence. I think it can be a transcending moment. And so we hope that you join. And with that, I guess I should mention our camps because so many people ask us. We have two camps coming up over the coming months. The first, and we actually only have two spots left in this, the San Francisco camp. So we're going to have almost the entire Purple Patch coaching crew there. It's April the 26th through the 28th. It's more of a mini camp in nature. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, fully immersive. A lot of fun north of the Golden Gate Bridge up in San Rafael. Wonderful time of the year. Typically great weather and a real opportunity to work through swimming, cycling, running, strength and mobility. And it's all in the environment of where the Purple Patch Squad tends to train in San Francisco. And then the epic one, South Carolina, August the 13th through the 18th, right in the foothills of the Appalachians in Greenville, South Carolina. We're doing it out of Hotel Domestique for the fourth time, a wonderful, intimate boutique experience. That one promises to be very special. So if you're interested, well, you can learn more if you want. You either head to purplepatchfitness.com, go to the camp page and see all of the information for both of the camps. Or if you want to talk to us, questions at purplepatchfitness.com and we'll be sure to help you out. Maybe, just maybe, it's a good venue for you. All right, folks, so there's your bonus episode, three questions. You can tell if I had have plugged the questions onto the back of the regular episode. Well, it would have got quite lengthy, wouldn't it? We're back to normal next week. Hope you have a good one. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers. Cheers.